leading us every day. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Who's glad to be in the house of Beacon today? Glory. Glory. Me and Chanel are here to do announcements today. And I just want to ask you one more time. Put those hands together because God is good. He's so good. Yes. Hallelujah. You know, I love to hear the sound of a hand clap because it's a sound of joy. It's a sound of happiness today. You can be seated. <laughs> and you know, when I hear that sound, I'm just reminded of how good God is. And when you clap your hands, you express love. Um, I never see anybody clap their hands like this and be mad. You can't, I can't look at you and be like, girl, get away from me. It don't, it don't match, right? You know, so clapping your hand is an expression of joy. And today I'm coming to announce Joyful Hand Volunteer Comp Campaign. It's been going on for two, this is our second week. Last week, if you see it in the front foyer, we had the um, cleaning team and security team, and they did an amazing job. And this week, we have the welcome team and the prayer team. So if you want to be a part of one of these teams, please see us in the back of the foyer, in the foyer after church. But guys, do you know that it takes nine teams to set this all up for you to come every Sunday? That's every Sunday, nine teams. So what am I saying to you guys? Go sign up! <laughs> we need you. We need you. So if you could, um, you have until, this goes on until February 21st. So out of those nine teams, I need everyone in this building who is capable of helping to sign up with us, please. So meet us in the back. We'll tell you the, all, everything you need to know about what you need to do. And then you let us know what days you would like to help. Okay? Thank you. And now, Chanel, can you? Oh, today, Beacon Basics is led by CB. Yes, we can clap. We can clap. So <laughs> if you've been part of this church for a while and you really feel in your heart that it's time to seal this relationship, Beacon Basics is where you can learn everything you need to know about the church. It's a small class, and it's led by CB, Pastor CB. And actually, it's happening today right across the street at Town Tavern. So after this service, if you would like to be a part, meet Pastor CB across the street at Town Tavern. Thank you. Yes, and Pastor CB will actually be outside um, waiting for everyone to come out um, to meet him. So please go outside if you're interested in that. Um, the next thing would be, am I on? Can you guys hear me? Yes. Okay, sounds weird. Oh, okay. Not in the monitor. Got it. I don't know this lingo, so we're, we're, we're working along. Um, Spark Kids, guys. Spark Kids is our children's ministry. Um, and as you can see, if you look around, there are some little ones sitting in the audience today because um, there's just not enough space up there. We don't have enough loving hands to support watching all of our children. So please, 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 if you want to volunteer for anything, Children's Ministry Smart Kids really needs you up there. So we, we would love for you to take that opportunity to sign up in the app 
um, and, and get plugged into children's ministry. Um, that is really where we need you the most. This is our next generation. We have to pour into our next generation so that we, they could then be leading the church one day. So please, please, please um, get, your, get your phone out and sign up for Spark Kids. Can I hear all the ladies in the house today? All the ladies. Ladies, Shine is coming up. We have our next event February 17th. And the event is going to be um, smashing things. So it's called Smash It. It's a smash room where you get to go and hit things. Um, and Ashley, where's Ashley? Ashley's back here. We kind of have a fun project that's going to be happening with um, this event, um, maybe putting words on certain things and smashing that stuff. So what, what's that? Yes, and releasing them. And so what we really want to do is I just want you guys to sign up. We have a lot of fun in these events. We get to know each other. Afterwards, we're going to go have some food and snacks. So um, get on the app and sign up today. There's only 23 spots available. They go really fast. Um, so sign up for that. We'd love to have you. And then next, lastly, would be um, I've heard a lot of people talk about um, signing up in the app or, being, or how to use the app. So if you look at your phone and you text the number 97,000 and in the little bar you put in there, you put beacon, this is how you will be able to get our church app and our app in general. We have a lot of people that still have a lot of questions around how do I get the app, how do I get the app. The simplest way is texting 97,000 um, to 97,000, and then in the little box, you're going to text Beacon, and then it will bring up the church app, and then in the church app, you're going to look for Beacon the Church. You're going to hit Beacon the Church, and then it's actually going to bring you to our app, where you can do anything in that app. You can um, sign up for teams. You can volunteer. Um, you can have a meeting with CB. You can give, you can do lots of things on that app. So that is where we do all of our work is on the app. Um, so we would love to make sure that you guys get that on your phone so you have access to all that we do at Beacon. Um, we just love you. Thank you for being here this morning. We're, we're, so, we're so excited to see what God is doing. Um, and then lastly, um, Spark yep. Kids and Ignite. Yes. So Ignite. I mean, I'm sorry, Spark and Stoke. I mean, Ignite. No, Ignite. <laughs> My gosh. Put your hands together for our Ignite children's group. Yes, yes. And that's led by Pastor Josh and his team. Do we have Pastor Josh here? Right so back it, there. Oh, so it's Ignite and Stoke today. So that's ages 10 through 17. So if anyone in the building is between the ages of 10 through 17, can you please stand? Woohoo! Yes! Yes, give, give a hand for our children because they are our future, right? Hallelujah! Woo. And they're learning the word. Pastor Josh and his team are teaching them what they need to know so they can apply oh, these things in their lives as they out throughout the day. Pastor Josh, is it Ignite or Stoke today? It's both. It's Ignite both. and Stoke? Yes. Oh my gosh, it's a <laughs> whole crew? Hands full. <laughs> well, you gotta get out of here. 
<laughs> so if we could just put our hands towards our kids and just say a prayer for them, please. Oh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for these children today, oh God. We thank you that you have entrusted us with their care, oh Heavenly Father, and mm. teaching them their ways, oh Heavenly Father, that they might not turn from you when they grow old, oh Heavenly Father. Oh Heavenly Father, I ask that every word that they hear, they can apply to their lives, oh Heavenly Father, and take it out into the world, oh Heavenly Father. Let it be their shield of protection each and every day, oh God. We pray for their parents so heavenly father as they bring their kids to church we thank you and honor your the parents for just their their trusting in you god to hand their kids over to you oh god and we forever magnify and we glorify your name and it's always in your darling son's jesus name amen, amen. hallelujah thank you amen thank you amen. put your hands together and give a praise of god as amen. pastor cb comes to the stage Amen. Thank you so much to uh, Deacon Janine, Deacon Chanel for doing our announcements today. We're going to continue to lean on them uh, and, and as we continue to grow, be pulling on more faces in the house. And um, what a joy it is to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Y'all feel good to be here? Don't give me that 9 a.m. response. You better give me an 11 a.m. response. If you feel good to be in the house of the Lord, say yeah. Amen. Hey, my name is CB. I'm just grateful to be a part of this church, and I got a couple things I want to share, and we're going to dive into our message today. But before we do, I just want to recognize somebody in the house who never gets recognized. Where's Deacon Gio Flores? Deacon Gio Flores. Where's Deacon Gio? Gio, come up, come up here. Don't wave from the back. Come on up here, sir. Come on up here. Y'all, give, give Deacon Gio a hand of, of, of encouragement today. Come on all the way up, sir. We, uh, in this house, we like to celebrate folks, and um, we like to celebrate, I especially like to celebrate folks who, um, who put their hand to the plow of the mission in the house. And so you, you may not know Deacon Geo. You may be here and only see him from the beard down because there's a camera in front of his eyes. All of the things that you see online, the images and the videos that are created at Beacon, they're all created by Geo. And um, Gio has been with us since we started this church. In fact, before we started this church, Gio reached out to me and said, I'm growing my portfolio. I'm a new photographer. You want pictures? And this was back when I used to think I was handsome. And I was like, let's do this, you know. Um, and we got some photos. And then that day, we just kind of walked around town and talked about the Lord. And before the day was up, he said, I don't know where your church is going to be, but I feel like the Lord's calling me to it. And because we were a new church that didn't have anybody yet, I was like, well, our first member is here in Jesus' name. Um, and I wanted to just recognize Gio today because we don't often see him, and today is his birthday. Amen? So I, I, I want to embarrass you, I mean, celebrate you and sing happy birthday to you in the house because I want to let you know how much we love you, how grateful I am to be your friend, what an honor it is to serve the Lord alongside of you, and to watch as God continues to grow your family and bless you. Amen? Would you sing happy birthday with me? Can we do the Stevie Wonder version? Because that's the one I like. Can we do that one? All right, join with me. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Help me celebrate Gio, my dear friend. I love him so much. Khalil, did you get a picture? <laughs> Gio's never in our pictures, so that's our first one. Thank you, Gio. I love you so much. Thank you so much for serving in the house of the Lord. One more time for Gio Flores, deacon over all of our content. And I just realized while I was singing to him, it's, it is embarrassing when people sing happy birthday to your face, isn't it? 
He was looking at me like, when will this end? In Jesus' name. So great to be a part of this family with so many people who are gifted and, and, and called and growing. I'm grateful that you're here today with a spirit of expectation. Grateful that our kids' ministries continue to grow. We're bursting, as the ladies heard, you heard them say, we're bursting kind of at the seams in our kids' ministry. We're just too big to be able to do it in one service. So we've got to add a second service, and we need your help. So uh, you're going to hear me continue to beat that drum and echo uh, both of our deacons who, who delivered announcements today. We need your help serving in Spark Kids' ministry. It doesn't mean you have to be an expert or a wizard with kids. We've got a great structure. All you need to do is have a passion to serve God's people and pass a background check in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, let me give you um, just a, a little encouragement from the word of the Lord in our time of generosity. Do I have any generous people in the house? Would you help me thank God today? Anybody who loves to love to be generous and let the Lord use them in that way? Amen. I want to show something to you just briefly from uh, Proverbs chapter 11, something that I have found to be absolutely true in my life. It says in Proverbs 11, verses 24 and 25, it reads like this. It says, one who gives freely yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessings will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. These are the wise words of King Solomon recognized as the wisest man who ever lived. They're words that are echoed later in the New Testament in the epistles written to the church of Jesus Christ. In this passage, it says, one who waters will himself be watered. In the New Testament, it says, one who sows will receive more seed for the sowing. The principle, despite age after age, from epic to epic, from covenant to covenant, and testament to testament, is this. When you are generous, God is generous to you. It's just a truth. And I know that you might bristle and say, oh, here we go, but that is not where we're leaning. I'm never going to encourage you in this church to give so that you get. But our God is good to those who give. He never lets you grow empty. He never lets your pockets have a hole in them. God is a giver to those who give. And the warning is actually pretty stark in this passage here. It says, there is one who gives and he receives, but there's also one and tell me if you've ever recognized this season in your own life, one who withholds what he should give, which means there are times in our lives when we know clearly how the Lord has called us to be generous, amen, and we choose not to. Am I talking to anybody here? You feel the tug of the Lord, and, and you know that this is your day to step out in faith and be a good steward of your finances, be obedient in this area of your life, and you resist it. Or maybe this is you, a part of your journey. You just have not yet believed God in this area. The Bible says the one who withholds what he should give only suffers want. It's a pretty stark warning to the church to say you kind of get to choose the life that you live and the mindset you have around money. You can be one who lives generously and says, I don't really have to worry about money. That's God's job. Or you can be one who isn't generous, who gets to worry about paycheck to paycheck, making the ends meet, hoping that this month you can make it through. Now, I, I know clearly which one I'd rather feel because I have felt the latter. Am I talking to anybody today? I have lived paycheck to paycheck. I've lived paycheck to payday loan. Am I talking to anybody? Amen. I'm in the right church. I have lived paycheck to pay. I have lived overdraft protection to 
overdraft protection. You ever have it where your, your direct deposit goes in and then you're back at zero? At zero, you're like, well, at least I'm not in the red. But you don't get paid. I have been there before. And I can tell you from personal experience, I never want to feel that again. I don't like to live like that. It's stressful. It's painful. It takes the joy out of so many other areas of my life. And so I put this scripture to the test. I just want to be generous so that God can worry about the money. Amen? Today I want to encourage you to make a choice about how you want to feel about money and how you want to live. Be the kind of people who are righteous, who know that the generous are taken care of in Jesus' name. Everything that you give helps us to continue to do this. I'm encouraged today to tell you that we continue to stay faithful in this church. We're on target to do some mighty things this year, and I want to push you, push you to stay faithful in this. Amen. God's going to do something mighty, and I'm believing by faith that we're going to be able to have our permanent home. That's what we're praying for. That's what we're giving for. That's where we're headed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Send me several ways that you can give on the screen behind me. Also, we have an offering box in the back. I want to encourage you today to sow in faith and trust that the Lord will worry about your money and you don't have to put a care to it. Let me pray over your gift today in the house. Heavenly Father, we love you. God, thank you so much for the opportunity to give. I say that every week, but God, I really mean it. I thank you that that's an area that you don't overlook. You're not the kind of God who's interested in all of these other things, but money, that's my problem. No, money's your problem. And you said, if you'd just be generous, if you would just water, I'd enrich you, I'd bless you, I'd water you. Father, I thank you that you're that kind of a God, a good God like that. And Father, today as we sow seed in faith, I ask that you would pour back a blessing into our life. We don't give to receive. We give because we love you and because we trust you. But God, I'm asking you to honor your word to our church. Show yourself faithful. Let not a need go unmet. Let not a heart suffer in lack. In Jesus' name. And all the greed said amen. Amen, amen, amen. I'm glad to see you. I'm excited. <laughs> hey, Logan. Logan's waving at me in the back row. You know when you're a little kid and you're excited to see somebody and you wave? You know how you wave like that? Logan just waved like that. I love you, man. I'm good to, glad to see you. Do you remember last week when we were teaching in the Word and then we were out of time? You remember how frustrating that was? We talked about it in small group, and, and Chanel was like, I've actually never heard a church gasp that the message was over before. <laughs> we were in it, and I was having a blast, and I'm excited to be back in this message today. We're going to pick up right where we left off. If you have your Bible, open up your Bible to the book of James. We're going to continue this study in James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. Essentially, all we got through in this service was verse 5 and about a quarter of verse 6. We, we got even less far in the second service. But today we're going to pick this up and trust that the Lord will take us where he needs to take us today. This is in our series in James, a series entitled Walk It Out. If you haven't been here, what we're doing is walking through James's epistle to the universal church, the, the global church. He writes in his own writing to the church or the 12 tribes scattered amongst the diaspora, the dispersion. He's writing distinctly to Jewish converted Christians, people who were raised in, in, as Hebrew and, and who had converted to a faith in Jesus Christ. And he writes in such a fashion that he takes all of the history of the Old Testament and applies it through the revelation of Jesus Christ. This word is written not just to a specific group, but to all those who would call upon the name of Jesus. And for us, it is a phenomenal understanding and how to answer the question, how do I live as a Christian? 
I'll read it again in your hearing today. It's James 1, verses 5 through 8. It says this. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. The title of this message is You Gotta Believe, and this is part two. And I'm trusting there won't be a part three, but we will just see what the Lord does in Jesus' name. How many of y'all were blessed by just your time in learning about the concept of biblical wisdom, both on Sunday and this past week? How many of y'all leaned into the ideas of prayer and faith practically? Amen? Boy, we had a wonderful time in our small group talking this through. I was so encouraged. And as I studied it some more this week in preparation, I got this overwhelming feeling that the Lord might just put the pause button button and make us sit on this for a little season. And I'm here for it. Amen. Sometimes the Lord does this in, in, in churches. Sometimes he will just interrupt our plan, specifically the pastor's plan, and he will just sit on a concept or a discipline until the whole church gets it and is transformed by the word. And I sense that's where we're at here today. Let me pray over this word in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, we love you. And God, we thank you for this text. God, I thank you that you divinely inspired James to write a letter to us that would help us to understand you better and how to walk out what you have for us. Today, we ask three questions. God, give us wisdom. God, please help us to pray with more faith. And God, please help us to be free from doubt. Now, God, remove me from this. Let there be no agenda from me, no contrivance, no exaggeration, no exacerbation, just a total submission to your word. Be washed by it and wash us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, let's recap real quick. Two weeks ago, we talked about James's understanding of trial, tribulation, and trouble. Do y'all remember that? He said in no uncertain terms, trouble is good. And he said, in fact, trouble's so good, you should be excited for it. <laughs> he said, you should count it joy because trouble produces in you steadfastness, which makes you look more like the steadfast God. And that steadfastness, when left to take its course, produces in you perfection, completion, and the lacking of nothing. These three terms together, perfection, which is wholeness in mind and spirit, completion, wholeness in body, lacking in nothing, completeness in the world in which we live. The whole thing is meant to point us to this one direction. Trouble can make you whole. And you should, as any good steward of the word, student of God's plan for your life, ask the question, how in the world am I supposed to see bad things as good things? How am I supposed to celebrate through trouble? And what James does is transitions right here in this passage of Scripture to say you should ask for wisdom. That really is how you can understand things better, not be overwhelmed by what the world throws your way, but to see beyond circumstances to the heaven stance, to understand, oh, this is a part of God's plan. It might be a little bit of a challenge from me, but God has made it so that I will rise to the challenge. Amen. Amen. We discussed what wisdom was, how wisdom was God's primary plan for so many of us, and how many of us, when we're going through difficult seasons, we seek for relief. We want a way out. And God says, no, if you ask for everything, anything, in all you're getting, get wisdom. 
He tells us that wisdom is a blessing beyond anything we could ever have, meaning this, no matter what you face, no matter how bad your trial or tribulation is, even if you feel cursed, if you get wisdom, you'll still be blessed. He says, don't trust yourself, don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, as Pastor Ty quoted, lean on God, trust in his ways, and he will make your path straight. Wisdom will make a way when it seems like there is no way. We learned that we should not only go after wisdom, we should not only see that there's a benefit in wisdom and a plan in wisdom, we also understand that the beginning of wisdom was the reverence or the fear of God. That's actually where we ended the second service. Those poor people didn't get, I mean, I don't know, you know, look, we're in third, second service, we're going to be here for six months. I don't know how long that thing's going to take. If you weren't in the second service, you should understand something unique is happening in your sister church. You see, there's some people who are already making a little bit of noise because they serve in the house, so they double dip. Do I have any double dippers in the house? Amen. I've always been a double dipper. I don't know why. I just always like to go to church twice. And uh, I would serve, when I was raised in the church, I would serve a service and then I would sit in a service or I would flip-flop. And what I had discovered is, is no two church services are the same. Songs can be the same, message can be the same, same personnel, but God always does something unique. And what's beautiful about that is God tailors the encounter to his children. And so here in the 9 a.m. service, I'm going to tell you right now, you all, and and I'm going to celebrate you, you all are studious. Amen. Receive that if you don't feel studious. Just I'll take that right now in Jesus' name. You all are on time-ish. Your poor pastor of worship. He says, everybody on your feet and down to the pit. And all nine of you are like, just us, huh? All right. But you all love the word. And I know this because I'm your pastor and I preach and I get to see as we go deep into the teaching part. You know, because there's a difference between preaching and teaching, right? Because preaching is like the gospel through personality. It's why when my eyes are big and you see me doing weird moves that other Baptist preachers are like, it don't take all that. That's preaching. But teaching... Teaching is when we go deep into the word, where we define terms, we talk about application, where we touch on where it was first mentioned and how it repeats over time in our walk with God. And I watch you. When I teach, you lean all the way in. You are a people who are hungry for the word. Oh, what a blessing it is to be a pastor of people who are hungry for the word. I've pastored and preached to many people who aren't hungry for the word. They're just waiting for me to stop talking. (laughs) I've preached to people who are just hungry for the noise. They love a preacher, but don't need all the teaching. And so I'll teach in those rooms and they just look at me like I'm speaking Greek because I'm speaking Greek. And they're just waiting for me to hoop, holler, or sweat. That's how they think the Lord moves. But in the 9 a.m. service, boy, we go deep, amen. And yet in the 11, there's something altogether new. They're just like you. They love the word. And they're, they're leaning into deep teaching. What's interesting is the, the, the 11 a.m. is not nearly as vocal as you, which doesn't always take place. Usually in 9 a.m., half asleep, y'all are always awake. The 11 a.m. is a little quiet. And last week, as we were getting ready to start the message, I kept feeling like the Lord wanted to do something. He just kept tugging on me like, you're not, it's not your turn. Don't talk yet. Just wait, just wait, just wait. And we were about 10 minutes over our worship time, just sitting in it. 
Sister Brenda was sitting in the back, and we're just kind of letting spontaneous worship happen. You, you know, Brenda, she, she's blonde hair, and she worships better than all of us. Y'all know who I'm talking about? She worships in spirit and in truth. And we were just kind of letting the flow happen, and she started to worship and it just shifted the atmosphere, and I heard the Lord say, I want to touch my people. And I said, if anybody needs a touch from the Lord, come down front. And the whole church emptied their seats and ran to the altar. And I have never seen an altar call like that before. Usually your pastor's like, is there one? <laughs> oh, is it you? Seriously, get up and help me. No. I just said what the Lord said, and he moved, and we laid hands on everybody down here. It was a tremendous, beautiful, wonderful thing. The presence of the Lord was thick. There was oil all over the place in Jesus' name. And I tell you this to say, this is the beauty of our God and our gospel, which is it is for you perfectly made to touch you right where you are, no matter what you face. Amen? And so some Sundays, it's going to look a little bit different. Some Sundays, we're just going to trust God, and we're going to go into the Word, and we're going to go deep. We're going to touch Scripture all across the Old Testament and New Testament. I'm going to define a million terms, and you and I are going to grow in the mind. And then some Sundays, the Lord's going to knock everybody flat on their back. And we're just going to get to trust Him. Amen? And I don't know when we're going to finish this. But let's just trust him. Amen? I feel the presence of the Lord here this morning. Talked about wisdom. And then here, we began our conversation on prayer. I'll read for you verse 6, part A. It says this. Now, let him, him who needs wisdom, ask or pray in faith. And the title of this section that we're going to talk about real quick, you heard me mention it. If, in all your praying, you got to believe. This is really something I need you to get. If you leave with nothing today, you need to leave with this. If you're going to ever pray, you better believe that prayer. Now, you remember we touched briefly, but I'm going to do a good chunk of this again because I want to make sure that I don't miss it. Whenever you hear this sort of concept like faith, right, you need to be asking big questions. We make the error in church oftentimes whenever we hear Christian words, we make the error in thinking we already know the definition of Christian words. Amen? If I say the word faith or sanctification or justification or any number of these terms, it becomes very easy for many of us to just think we know. But you got to really know how those words are defined by God. And so we're going to talk about how to pray in faith. I'm going to redefine the word faith. Remember this. If you don't have it, write it down because we talk about this word all the time with this definition. Faith, the Greek word throughout the New Testament is the word pistis, and it means to be persuaded to constancy. There are two components of the word faith. There is belief and action. Without one the other counts for nothing. If you just believe but do nothing about what you believe, you don't believe. If I were to tell you, that is my wife, her name is Chanel, we're married and in love, 
and you never saw me touch my wife. No hug, no kiss. In fact, you saw me flirt with every other girl in the room and walk out of this place with somebody else. You would say, that is not his wife. Or they surely aren't married like God wants them to be married. Amen. Now let me just... You're my all in all. I love you. I'll never flirt with anybody ever. You're my favorite. And my only. But I try to paint the picture for you because this is what it means to be a person of faith who does nothing about your faith. You're a liar. I'm a Christian. I go to church. I love Jesus. Really? Show me the sanctification in your life. Show me how the Lord has convicted you from the things you used to walk in and show me the life you now walk in. That's faith. Faith is believing and changing. Tony Evans says it, and I say it all the time because I love it. Faith is in your feet. But the inverse is also true, and it's the teaching that Paul makes for us all the time. If you have action, but no faith, well, then you're just religious. And if I know you like I know you, you're mean, unpleasant, self-righteous, and hypocritical. I meet these people all the time. Usually, there are other pastors who tell me how flawed I am as a pastor. Pastor, you can't be meeting people in a coffee shop that has pride flags. And I said, how come? You can't speak the gospel in a place full of iniquity like that. You can't. You can't be inviting people into an atmosphere that's populated by demons. You can't. And then I'll say this. I'll usually say uh, let me ask you this, Pastor. How, how many church members do you meet with each week? And they say, well, you, my schedule's so busy. I'm usually on a conference or a trip or I'm in meetings with my staff. Oh, okay, so you don't know what it's like to meet with people where they are. Then don't tell me how to meet with people where they are. We meet in this church every chance you get. If you want to meet tomorrow, I still got three spots left in the afternoon. I got two taken. I got three more. This in the app. You can set a meeting with me. We'll drink coffee in that gay coffee shop until the cows come home and everyone in there gets saved. Come on, somebody. I don't care what it takes because I have faith that this whole world belongs to my king and I'm taking action to bring him in the room. Come on, somebody. Usually religious people will tell you how to live your life because they don't live that life. And in an effort to make themselves feel good about their own failing, they point out your failing. But people with faith who take action, they don't do a lot of finger pointing, at least not horizontal. It's mostly vertical. Oh, if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side. Great is his faithfulness. Oh, your steadfast love endures forever. You see, the two have to be married. And so when James is writing to this church right here today and says, if any of y'all need something good like wisdom, you should ask God for it. But when you ask, ask like you live. And here's the implication. Don't pray in such a fashion that it doesn't match your walk with God. Please hear me. Don't you think for one second you can be a fake Christian and walk up to the throne of grace boldly and get the same audience as someone who's humbly submitted to the transformation of God? You say, wait a minute, I got to be perfect to pray? No! 
But you got to be running after God to be the kind of person who gets your prayer answered. Oh, you don't like that part. I know, huh? That one got a little hard. Dang, for real? How hard do I got to run? How hard can you run? There's no limit. There's no set rule. It's like, ah, uh, just exert yourself on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Or how about just during small group and church, but the rest of the time don't have faith. No, have faith. Be persuaded in such a fashion that you chase after God so that when you pray for things you need, you walk right in as a faith-filled, action-filled per- person, and you say, Jesus, I got something to talk about with you. And he says, great, you and I have been talking and walking all week. What you need, son? What do you need, daughter? Y'all with me? When you pray, pray in faith. You might say, okay, give me, give me some instruction. How do I pray in faith? This is where we started last week. Four ways that you can pray in faith. I hope you're taking notes because I've been reading this all week and I drank seven cups of coffee this morning. <laughs> Number one, pray wisely. We talked about praying for wisdom. Well, if you're going to pray for wisdom, pray wisely. And here's what I mean by that. You should be a person who prays according to God's will. Remember we talked about this. A sign of spiritual maturity is that you start to want what God wants for you. I don't think I've ever struggled with faith. I know that sounds weird. I'll talk about doubt in a minute. But when my mother first shared the gospel, man, I've never told this story before. When my mother first shared the gospel story with me, we were sitting at the kitchen counter of our uh, one-bedroom apartment. She was a single mom, and I was four years old. I'll never forget this day. We lived in a one-bedroom apartment in Washington Heights. It was an apartment building on Washington, just south of 120th in North Glen, Colorado. And she began to tell me about the person of Jesus. She began to tell me about the principle of faith. And she said, son, if you ask anything of the Lord, he will give it to you. And that day, something sparked in me, and I have never not believed that my God was good, that he could do, and he would do things for me if I trusted him. Amen? Now, I've been through some dark seasons just like you, and we'll talk about it, but I wanted to tell you today that there was a moment in my life where I had come to understand that God was an answerer of prayer. And so as four, my mom sat me down at the table, and she shared this gospel message with me. And I said, and I remember this. She tells the story just the same. I remember telling my mom, I have to go to the bathroom, and that was a lie. And I walked down the hallway, and I had my teddy bear. Now, I love this teddy bear, and if you ever have been through a hard season as a child of a single parent where you have very little, the little that you have matters for much. Am I talking to anybody? I had a teddy bear, and that was my ace. That was my road dog. That was my man. And I walked down the hallway towards the bathroom with my teddy bear, and I stopped in that bathroom, and I said, Jesus, bring my teddy bear to life. It was the first prayer I ever prayed, and he didn't answer it. I don't know why you're all laughing. This is a profound moment for me. But I also walked back into that room, and I said, Mama, he didn't make my teddy bear alive. And my mom said, he can do anything, but he prefers to do the things that are best for you. 
you have got to grow up past God give me what I want to be in a place of God give me what's best. And sometimes that prayer will bring forth the beginning of this chapter where you'll go through some trouble that is good. Now, I know it doesn't sound fun. We want to talk about all of the things that you can do and move mountains and all of these wonderful things. Yes, they're all true, but you've got to grow past the place of make my teddy bear live to God make me live. Bring me back to life. Restore me. Redeem me. Rescue me from the trouble that I'm facing. God, God, don't just give me what I want. If it kills me, I don't want it. Show me what you want from me and birth in me a desire to echo this word over my life so that you have no doubts and no qualms and no pause. You will answer every prayer I pray. You need to be praying wisely. What does the word say for you? And when you know this word, then you can begin to pray clearly. We talked about this, praying clearly. Remember now, Jesus says in 1 John 5, 14, if you pray according to his will, he hears you. But also, the Apostle Paul echoes this sentiment in Philippians 4. He says, when you pray, pray about everything. Be specific. Talk about everything. Oh, boy. Here's what we do. We get real specific, (laughs) and I don't know why we do this. We get really clear and specific praying for things that we want. Because we're fallen fleshly people who dwell on our circumstance. But when it comes for spiritual matters, have you ever noticed? You get real vague. You're super opaque about spiritual things. Lord, just pour out a blessing. But also, I was late three times this week, and if you could just change my boss's heart so I don't get fired because I only have one more demerit left, and I just need you to step into that courtroom right now, Lord, and get me out of this traffic ticket, God. I need you to make my wife not yell at me. Lord, you get specific about things you want. But you're rarely specific about things God wants. We talked about last week, we were talking about praying for unknowns. Do you remember, what I, do you remember when I was saying this? We, we pray <laughs> unspokens. Do you remember this? I, I, get, I can't wait to share this for the first time with the second service. If you've ever been in a prayer group and someone says, and Lord, just meet all of the unspoken needs. I don't think God is ever more insulted than ever hearing that. Why would there be an unspoken need. As if to say, God, I want some things that you want from me, but I'm not going to tell you about it. You're going to have to figure it out. Search my heart, Lord. Now come over here and look for me. Why would you ever be unspecific about what you need from the Lord? Lord, my heart is broken because I have lived a life of sin and I continue to think about it. God, I need to be set free, not just from my sin, but from the shame of my past. God, help me to see myself like you. Your word says that I'm now a son or a daughter. I'm covered in the blood. I'm made new. The Bible tells me that when you look at me, you see Jesus. You don't see my pain. You don't see my shame. God, I want to see it like that. That's how you get specific. 
specific. You pray what God wants specifically over your life. Then you can get vague. Also, you know the whole work situation. (laughs) What am I thinking? Change me. You with me? We have to flip where we're specific, and we miss this all the time. Now, this is where we didn't, this is where we ended, and we have 20 minutes. What? (laughs) Hebrews chapter 4, verses 16 says that we have the ability and the authority to come boldly before the throne of grace. When you pray, pray boldly. What do you mean, Pastor? You mean to yell? No. I mean to talk to your dad like you belong in conversation with your dad. I know that you think that sometimes, based on how you've lived this week, you've got to hem and haw and apologize for all of the things that you are or are not before you can even utter some request to the Lord. But that's not how it works. You see, in this life of mine, I have but two sons, and I don't care who I'm meeting with. They can walk into that room and interrupt that meeting anytime they want, because guess who's first? Them, nobody else. Except for you, of course, because when you and I are together, (laughs) they have to stay outside the room. Amen. (laughs) But when it comes to my sons, there is nobody more important. I can have a meeting at that coffee shop and you and I can be going through hell. But if my son is in need, I'm going to tell you politely, I love you, but I have to take care of this. And I talk to him. Why? Because they know they can come boldly before their father and make their requests known. They get all of my attention because I love them. They don't have to prove themselves. They don't have to perform. They don't have to song and dance for dad. You don't have to show him that you're worthy of him. You are worthy of God. Because Jesus made you worthy. And too many of us pray prayers like, oh, geez, I'm so sorry for me. Walk into the room like you're the chosen child, like you're his absolute favorite, because you are. Dad, it's me. Tell everybody else to shut up. I want to talk about something. You get to pray boldly. And you should pray boldly. You should lean in, press in. And knock on the door of his heart often. You should be the kind of God. You should be the kind of young person or student of the word who interrupts God all the time. You should think you're first in line. You say, well, I want to be polite. No, don't be polite. In fact, I'm going to tell you something that drives me crazy. Whenever I'm in a group of Christians and it's time to pray and I pray and I say, I'll start and let's have three or four others pray. Do you know what I hate? When I start and no one prays, we're all thinking the same thing. I do it too. Well, I don't want to be like overwhelmingly pressing in. I want to be too bold. I want to let someone else start it. Why? Why would you ever let someone else start? When someone says, I'll start, someone else prays, I'm always like, I'm second. I'm next. I'm praying next. Because I want to talk to the king. I want to know him. I want to press in. I want to be touched by him. I want to be changed by him. And I don't want to wait for you to pray. I'm telling you this right now. This isn't a selfish thing. This should change the way you think about prayer. I don't want to be in a prayer circle and wait for someone else to set the tone. I want to set the tone. I want this room to be be full of bold prayers. Right? I don't want to wait for you to go second and be like, Lord, thank you. We just love you. And I'm like, this is going to be weird when I go. Don't wait 
He says, ask, seek, knock. You with me? Last part of prayer, I want you to see this, how we pray with faith. I'm going to say it just like this simple. I'm going to define it in two different ways. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 11:6 that without faith, it is impossible to please God. 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, when you pray, pray without ceasing. So I'll just put these two together and say, the only way you pray with faith is to pray faithfully. And what I mean by that is, don't you for a second think that if you ask God for something and think he can't do it, but you're just throwing it up as an obligation that he'll answer it. He won't. It is impossible to pray, live, study, walk in a faithless manner and think that God is pleased with it. It's impossible to please our God when we don't walk in faith. And the same is true when we pray. We must believe that he is good and that he can and that he loves us. And I'll put it to you like this a little bit. Don't just believe or have faith that he can. Believe that he is the God of all things. And because of that nature, he can do anything. Amen? It's about believing in who he is, not just what he can do. And when Paul writes this letter to the Thessalonians, he says, now, the best part about believing and believing and believing and praying with faith is you don't ever have to stop. He says, pray without ceasing. Here's a practical way to put this into your life. There is no such thing as an end to your prayer. I know you say amen and you think it's over. It ain't over. It shouldn't be over. Amen means, does anybody know? It is so, so let it be. It's actually confirming what you just said. It's like saying, nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you. When you pray, please don't pigeonhole your prayers into a beginning and an end that then you set on the shelf. Our biggest fault as prayer people is that we think that there must be a prayer time. We pray before bed. We pray before meals. And sometimes we pray in the car when that guy pulled us or cut us off, right? And we want to talk to him, but the Lord says, why don't you and I have a quick conversation? We call those zipper prayers. We put them in a position or a place and we, we zip things up with them, right? We start dinner with them. We close the evening with them. But here's the deal. That is never what prayer was meant to be. Prayer in and of itself is an ongoing communion with the Lord. It is meant to be a conversation with the God who created all things to build intimacy with you. It is not transactional. It is all about relational intimacy. You with me? Do you have like a best friend in your life who you share a million inside jokes with? Do you have somebody in your life you have inside jokes with? Do you have somebody in your life right now who if you were to send them just the most random image, they would know exactly what you're talking about? You have that person, right? Why? Because the two of you have developed such a relational intimacy that you don't have to begin your phone call or your text with, uh, greetings, dearest friend of mine. It is I in the city of Denver. I come to you with need. Y'all reading me? And yet here's... The God who chooses to dwell within you, closer than a brother, who yearns to be in communion with you every moment of every day, and you come to conversation with him, uh, 
I hope I'm not bothering you. No, you're meant to, to be in ongoing conversation. You know how I can tell when people are really good at prayer? It's because they don't mind interrupting conversation with me to pray. Meaning like they'll be like, it's so good to see you, this guy. I know people who will pray in the middle of conversations. They will just say, it is so nice to be here. I'm excited. Father, be with us today. Because they're involved in an ongoing conversation with their God. There is no shortage of connection, no shortage of of touch, no shortage of communication. They've built an ongoing relationship that is, is, oh my gosh, how do we do this? I just, I want you, oh, I just want to kill the formality in your conversation with God. I'm not saying for you to be unholy. I'm not saying for you to not understand that conversations with God are sacred. But please, stop sending introductions before your conversation. Please stop sending salutations. Please stop wondering if he wants to conversate with you. It is time to just begin to speak to the Lord every moment of every day, ongoing forever and ever. Amen. Y'all with me? Right now, right where you are, you should be praying, Lord, whatever this word is today, impart it into my body. Lord, bless my wife while I'm sitting next to her. God, thank you so much for the opportunity to bring us here. You should, as you grow and and mature in your faith with the Lord, be able to use both sides of your brain to engage here and engage here. You meet with me at coffee on a Monday, I will be praying to the entire conversation. Mostly, God, give me wisdom. When you pray... Pray in faith. Pray wisely. Pray clearly. Pray boldly. And pray faithfully. Prayer will change the world around you, yes. But it best changes the world within you if you will just lean into it every moment of the day. You with me? have last part, 10 minutes. You ready? James says, when you pray, pray with faith. Why? Because you must not have doubt. He says, now, the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Lord, give us the opportunity to finish this right now. I ask, Lord, that you'd give me wisdom. I want to tell you this. The reason that we're doing all this is so that you can avoid the curse of double-mindedness. This is an absolute curse on every blood-bought believer. If the enemy can't take your soul, he'll distract your mind. And this is what we're talking about here. This is why James gets us so clearly pushed into seeking for the Lord, his wisdom, his steadfastness, his care, and asking us to believe that God can do it. Praying, praying, praying. He's trying to push us away from double-mindedness. This word in the Greek that James writes, it's dipsu. And it means just that, a split mind, two minds, two thinkings, two natures, a double personality. And he says, you have to stay away from this because a double mind is the opposite of what we just learned from verse 4. That trouble can make you steadfast and steadfast can produce wholeness. God's desire for you is to be whole, perfect, complete, and lacking in nothing. And the enemy wants you to be split, sometimes in and sometimes out. Hear me, the accuser of the brethren does not need everybody to become a Satanist. He just needs you to be an ineffective Christian. In fact, he wins if you fake it like that. 
If you are a bad witness because you profess but you don't believe, guess what? You're double-minded, and you don't live the way God's called you to live. So when people are looking to the God who you say can change their life but hasn't changed yours, you make him a liar. Y'all with me? The enemy says, I just want to make you double-minded. I just want to make you a faker. Big talk, terrible walk. James says, you can't live like that. In fact, you can't allow doubt to take you to that place. Now, doubt, again, is another one of these big warnings, these big loaded terms. And you have to ask, whenever there's a text that tells you a warning like this, do not doubt, you have to ask this, where do I doubt? I want you to hear this. Whenever you read the text and there's a clear warning, do not do the following. Don't waste your time arguing with whether or not you can do the following. The Bible is not going to change its mind. You with me? Do not do this. Well, but Saturday nights is fine. No! Do not. And when it says do not doubt, do not do, you should ask yourself, okay, where do I do this? Doubt. Where do you doubt? Well, let's define it. Doubt, the Greek word diakrino, it's a three-part process word. I'm going to teach for just a second. Diakrino is a three-part process word, and it's a part of a process that has a progress. It starts with one part, and over time, left unchecked, left unaddressed, or left uncovered in prayer, this process will bring itself to fruition. And the three parts are this. First one is hesitation. Doubt begins with hesitation, meaning you want to, but you just second guess for a second. You ever done that? Come to the front. Ooh, not me. Give. Ooh, raise your hand for prayer. Ooh, that's hesitation. Now, hesitation in and of itself won't knock you down, but left unchecked, hesitation will lead to the second part of this progress, which is wavering. This is sometimes I believe it, but then other times I don't believe it. Sometimes I'm convinced, and other times I'm wondering. And that in and of itself won't knock you down. Wavering is a natural part of faith. You will have good days and bad days. Am I talking to anybody? I know you think your pastor never struggles with doubt. That ain't true. I hesitate all the time. I waver all the time. But you cannot let hesitation lead to wavering and then take the next step, which is withdrawal. Doubt does this. Wait. Go back and forth. Now just stay over here. And you have to check every moment of your walk and ask, where do I doubt? Where am I hesitating? Where when the Lord asks me to do a thing, am I waiting or hesitating or stalling or stopping or stuttering? Where am I finding that I'm, oh, mm, ah, oh. okay, and then I go. I need to get rid of the hesitation in my life because I don't want to be the kind of believer who lets wavering occur in my life. But maybe you're there. Maybe you're wavering right now. Maybe some days you believe and some days you don't. I'm going to tell you right now, Mondays are the hardest day for me. Why? Because after preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and writing the message for the next week and being so on fire for the Lord on Mondays I'm tired and when I'm tired the enemy sneaks in and you know what the enemy says to your pastor who has never not believed the Bible even when I was an addict the enemy tells me is this stuff even true I mean won't you feel stupid if this is all not is it weird to you that every week you study an old book jump around sweat squeal 
Have you ever felt that? You're not alone. That is a natural part of the Christian condition. The enemy is trying to get you to be double-minded. It's okay to do your little Christian thing, but don't embarrass yourself. Don't be weird about it. Now, I don't know if you know, but I'm mostly overcoming the fear of weird. <laughs> but not always. In fact, oftentimes doubt creeps into my life and, and I have some bad moments, some dark days. Maybe God's not real. Maybe, maybe he's real, but he's not real for me. Maybe he's real and he's real for me, but he doesn't love me. There's a huge curse amongst pastors throughout this country that believe that they're uniquely called to lead you to the God who loves you, but he won't rescue them. That's a pervasive curse, and I've met now four pastors or heard their stories in the last year. I too have suffered from this. He will use me to redeem you, but I'm not worth redeeming. What a curse. And so I'm telling you all this as transparent as I can get to tell you, if you've had doubt, you're not alone. Amen? But don't you let doubt have you. Doubt cannot take you out unless you let doubt take the lead. Woo, that's a good one. Write that down. Doubt can't take you out unless you let doubt take the lead. Here's what I want you to know. Four things, and we're going to close it out with three minutes left. Band, y'all can come up. Doubt is four things that you must know. The first two is what doubt is not. The last two is what doubt is. First thing, doubt is not terminal. You will not die because you doubt. You say, wait a minute. It says don't have doubt. It, it's true. Don't have doubt. Don't possess doubt. Don't be one, as the scripture says, don't be one who doubts. Makes an ongoing practice of living and believing and doubt and thinking, this can't happen for me. But if you have doubt, doubt won't take you out. How do I know? There is a man named Peter who was a man of great faith, but also a man who was called for having very little faith. In Matthew chapter 14, he sees his savior, his rabbi, his friend, Jesus, walking on the water. And he says, Rabbi, if that's you... Call me to come. And Jesus says, come on. The Bible says that Peter climbs out of that boat and finds that the water is solid ground. And he begins to walk to Jesus in great faith, his eyes fixed on the Savior, just as you and I are called to every moment of the day. And though he's nervous, he's walking in faith. But then the Bible says, when he saw the wind. Now, you can't see wind unless you look away from the Savior. You only see wind as if you take your eyes off of him and onto the circumstances around you. They were on the water, which means he looked at the waves. He took his eyes off Jesus and the faith that he found in communion with Jesus was now dashed, splashed with doubt. And he began to sink. And if you think for one second that doubt is terminal and that your doubt is condemnable and your God doesn't love you anymore because your doubt, you doubt, then consider what happened to Peter. Peter began to sink in his doubt. In his doubt, he said, Jesus, save me. And in an instant, Jesus saved him. Doubt is not terminal. You will not die because of doubt. Don't let the enemy lie to you that when you doubt, you are disqualified from salvation. You're not. You're disqualified from redemption. You're not. You're disqualified from all of the good things God wants to do. Doubt is proof that God wants to do good things in your life. Why? Because the enemy just wants you to give up the fight. You're with me. 
Doubt is not terminal. Also, doubt's not new. Doubt's been with us forever. In fact, doubt's even been with us in the best seasons of our journey with Jesus. Matthew 28, after Jesus returns, resurrected and glorified, he stands before the disciples and just moments before he delivers the great commission, sends them all out to change the world with the gospel message. The Bible says that the disciples gathered together with the resurrected Christ who had holes in his hands and his feet. And it says they worshiped and some doubted. It's possible to even doubt in the presence of God. Doubt has been something that's plagued us forever. So don't believe the lie that when you're here and I said, God can do all things, and you think, maybe not for me. You're like the sixth person in your row who just said that to yourself. You with me? Reach out and touch your neighbor right now and just say, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. I'm with you, I'm with you. Doubt is not terminal. Doubt is not new. Let's talk about two things that doubt is. I want to say this to you so you get it in your heart. You know it forever. Doubt is weak. Say it with me. Doubt is weak. There's a man. We find a story in Mark chapter 9. His son is under a great affliction. Yeah, that's good. Suffering. And he's exhausted every opportunity he can think of to get this boy healed. And he brings him to Jesus. Because he knows that if nothing, nothing works, then maybe this works. And if this don't work, then nothing works. And he says to Jesus, we've tried everything. And if you can, you can heal him. And Jesus, incredulous, says, if, if I can't, anything is possible to those who believe, who have faith. And the man says, this beautiful phrase that I'd love for you to mark down on paper, tattoo it on your heart. He says, I believe, but help my unbelief. What a beautiful moment of transparency between a man who is hurting and a God who heals. He says, I have this in my heart, this measure of faith but also this portion of doubt. And standing here before you, Jesus, I recognize that this measure of faith can overcome this portion of doubt, but I need your help. You might think that doubt is taking you out, but doubt is weak. Faith is strong. Faith is powerful. Our God is more than able to overcome any doubt than you have if you would just say, I believe, but help my unbelief. Last one, you ready? Doubt is wrong. It's wrong. The feeling of doubt and second guess, it's, it's wrong. It's error. How do I know? Because in Hebrews 10, the author tells us to hold fast, have faith, because he is faithful. You see, you and I believe doubt because we always think about how unfaithful we are. You ever do this? You pre-play it in your mind? Well, it's never worked for me before because <laughs> you're thinking about how the things in your life will hinge about whether or not you can see them come to pass. But doubt is not predicated on you. Faith is built on him. 
He's faithful even when you're not. It's like this. I'm not so sure. And he says, well, I've never been wrong. Ever. Doubt is wrong. And it's a lie. And you can reject it just as quickly as it came. You with me? Stand to your feet. We're going to pray just three simple prayers in this room today, and then we're going to worship. With your hand of strength, I want to encourage you to put it on your heart. And I want you to pray this simple prayer with me. Lord, give me wisdom to see like you see and live like you live. God, give me faith. Put action to my understanding. And God, kill my doubt. Amen and amen. Let's worship.